Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rozeal and I am the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. Today, very special guest, Chris Mirabelli, USA track and field javelin thrower. Chris is an Olympic hopeful. Uh, Chris's story is insane and I really didn't know the entire brunt of it until I actually sat down and got to talk with through with him. Um, super cool dude. He went to my alma mater, Rutgers. Are you rah-rah? So that's pretty sweet uh, getting to talk to him a little bit about that, but really understanding um, you know, what he went through. Uh, Chris was pretty much MIA for almost two entire years. Uh, he qualified for the 2016 Olympic Games and then had an injury. And then with that injury, he the doctors actually found a heart problem. Uh, so he was sidelined for a significant period of time, uh, tested a lot, was not allowed back at Rutgers facility. Uh, it's a whole, whole thing. And he gets very deep into it. And we appreciate his openness, his honestness, and his honestness and his intimateness. Um, you know, that's the only way we can do this to tell the story. You got to be open and honest. So very happy that I had the opportunity. Um, and I think it I might have had one of the first opportunities to interview him on this. So super grateful about that. Great guy. Great, great person. Great soul. Um, so very, very happy and grateful that he was here and got to hang out with me for a little while. Um, before we get to Chris, word from our sponsors. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? Um, this is my favorite part of every day. And I learned everything I know about it from launchingpodcast.com. Uh, if you go there, use promo code Mike, you'll get the step-by-step easily to step-by-step video course to easily start your very own podcast, $50 off just by using my name. You listen to this, you might as well utilize it, right? So um, they'll take you soup to nuts from ideation all the way to your fourth episode. It is incredible. It is so easy to do and follow and Rob breaks everything down in an engaging, interactive way and really just shows you exactly what you need to do. He doesn't just stop you at one episode. He tries to get you to the fourth. He gets you to the fourth. That way you can really just start the momentum, the snowball rolling down the hill, get that momentum and run with it. So very happy about that. Again, launchingpodcast.com, promo code Mike for $50 off. Without further ado, here's Chris. All right, today, special guest, Chris Mirabelli, USA track and field javelin Olympic hopeful. Chris was born June 6th, 1996, started throwing javelin at the age of five years old. Kind of a cute story around that. Excited to hear it. Currently is uh, studying for his master's at Rutgers. Are you rah-rah? My alumni. I love it. Uh, Two-time Big Ten champ, three-time All-American. Qualified for the 2016 Olympic trials. Represented Team USA at the Junior Pan Ams, where he won gold in 2016. And now he's hanging out with me for a little bit. Chris, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. What's going on? Living and loving, brother. It's the only two things we got to do in life, right? So, That's right. Yeah, man. Um, you, b- before we started airing or before we started recording, you told a pretty cute story about Javelin and how you got into it. So I guess, I mean, let's start back in South Jersey. Tell me, tell me what it was like growing up. I mean, I'm not far from there, but I like another perspective every once in a while. Back, back in the dirty Jersey. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I'm uh, born and raised in South Jersey, uh, right in the Burlington County area. Um, when I was, uh, I came from a whole family of, of athletes. My mom, like my mom played tennis in college. My dad played football and track in college. I got two sisters, one brother and, uh, my dad pretty much when we were all at a pretty young age, uh, specifically at five, he put a jab on my hand and said, listen, this is what's, uh, this is what's going to be a pretty, pretty big part of your future. So it's exactly, uh, he's exactly right. And since I was five, I've been competing and throwing and training javelin. That is incredible. I mean, I I have to assume it's not the same type of javelin you give a five-year-old, right? Like, I don't know yeah. much about javelin, but I just have to make that quick assumption. So, oh, yeah, no, you're totally right. <laughs> um, my, my dad's got some good friends overseas that actually sent him, like from Finland, um, sent him mini javelins. And so 
what we throw now, it's, it's our, the one that weighs now is 800 grams. It's eight and a half feet long. I think when I was five years old, he threw like a 300 gram jowl in my hand. And it was like maybe like two feet, three feet long. It was just like a mini, mini little jowl. That is cute, man. I love it. And, and so you're even telling me that your dad um, obviously played in college, as you said, he went professional, went to the trials in 1980. If i if I got the dates, yep. right. tell, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, this seems like it's been in your blood, not just specifically being an athlete, but I mean, it seems like you're almost probably bred to be a javelin thrower at this point. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been told that a lot. Um, <laughs> my, my, my dad, he, he was a great athlete. Uh, he grew up in Trenton and he, he played football and did and threw javelin at, what once was Trenton State and now it's New Jersey. Yes, sir. I'm very familiar. Very yeah. familiar. Love it. So he, at the time, he had no coaching at all. Uh, everything he learned from uh, was from books in the library of Javelin. Um, so the resources were definitely not there for him. And he did like his own like sponsorship things. Like he had his own fundraiser uh, where he like invited all these people over for uh at like a local banquet hall for dinner and it was like a certain amount of money per plate and like it helped him with travel expenses and things like that pretty interesting stuff um and so yeah so he learned a lot through coaching now he personal trains kids he's one of the most highly guarded coaches in the country as when it comes to throwing events um has his own clinic once a year and personal trains and yeah he's taught me he taught me when i was five up until college and then i have my college coach now very cool, man. Yeah, that that's a pretty interesting story. I mean, time is a flat circle, right? Like, clearly, I mean, you've been to the trials, he went to the trials, it's like some of that stuff is just crazy. I mean, obviously, at five, he wished the best for you. Um, and, you know, we only can assume so much. But I think that it's super cool that you guys are following very similar paths, almost um, slightly yeah, different, it's, obviously, it's, but there's, there's some... definitely, definitely insane. Because um, he was my, uh, he was, I think he was 30, 28 when he threw in the, his first Olympic trials. And uh, I, was, I was 19 years old when I was throwing. Uh, I was the youngest competitor there. Mm-hmm. And, was, and he was just like blown away. Like at the age I was competing in the trials against people who else were all 28, 29, 30 years old. And he was like, you know, like, God, I, I wish I had like my, your coaching when I was, and I was mm-hmm. like, Dad, I said, Dad, I'm gonna be saying the same exact thing when yeah. I'm 60 years old. Right. Wishing I had a coach like that. I mean, uh, things gonna be so advanced by then. It's gonna be nuts. That's too funny. I mean, he taught himself and he made it that far. Like that is actually crazy. And like, not just taught yourself. Like I can teach my things on YouTube now, right? Like he read books mm-hmm. on how to throw something. Like. my brain would not work like that. That is incredible. The perseverance, the dedication, the focus he had, uh, clearly the desire to do something. I think that that is crazy incredible. So good for him. And yet clearly, I mean, it's a little easier for you because you just got all of his knowledge, right? He's just been able to get it right down. And and I've been been feeding off that. Me and my my brother throws now at Texas A&M. He's a freshman. Mm -hmm. So he throws javelin there. Mm -hmm. Um, So me and him just been like beating off each other and everything. It's 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 nice, you know. That's incredible. Javelin runs deep in the family. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, (laughs) uh, That's awesome. I mean, you you got ten years taken off. You went from A to you started at like F. (laughs) I mean, like that is just so cool, man. I love it. Um, So tell it. So here's a question. So one thing I like to do with athletes that's come on from what we'll hear deem Olympic sports, which is essentially just a sport I watch once every four years or I, we as a country explain javelin a little bit. Like, is it as easy as 
whoever throws it the furthest wins. Um, you know, what are, so, so here's a, here's a way I like to ask the question. So sorry, long winded. I'm not great at this yet. I'm getting better. I promise. Um, if you and I were sitting on the couch next to each other, hanging out, eating some food, watching Javelin on TV, what are some of the things that you would point out to someone like me, who's a novice, um, you know, sitting next to someone like you, maybe not the most intricate, but something that like, I wouldn't notice that you would be like, Oh, watch the way he does this or moves his foot or throws his shoulder into it. Like, what are some of the things that you could kind of give us a nice foundation? So that way, when we watch you in this, you know, a year and change from now, uh, we'll know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Javelin is extremely uh, intricate. Intricate. Um, everyone thinks, and people who don't really know much about javelin think like, "Oh, that guy's so much bigger and stronger than you. He's going to throw so much farther than you." It's not true at all. Um, javelin has a lot to do with physics and being able to build up as much torque from your left hip to your right shoulder as possible if you're a right-handed thrower. Um, and so, if, if we're just like chilling on the couch, I'd probably give you like a I'd nudge him like, hey, did you, did you see the way his armpit rolled? Or did you see the way the separation from his left hip to his right shoulder? Like how his left hip came around, but his right shoulder stayed back. So there's a delay. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he hits that, it's off. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's gone. Um, so it's just interesting. Like you'll see slight delays when someone hits their plant leg and the javelin will just fly out. And that's, that's, the, that's really timing and, and separation from your body is, is some of the key points in javelin. Um, some Very of the hardest cool. points to, to also do. It's pretty difficult. I've been yeah. training, training it for years and years and years. And, you know, even the best throwers have trouble doing it. It's tough. I believe it, man. I mean, it sounds kind of like uh, I'm a big baseball fan and now everything's mm-hmm. about exit velocity and angle and, and launch angle and all these things. I mean, is it as easy as you're just trying to get 45 degrees every time? Cause that's, as, that's the furthest it'll go or, or does it really depend on either how you throw or, or the, you, you know, is, is it, just that simple like 45 degrees you're shooting for or is there like a specific number you're shooting for or is it so is it dependent i guess biomechanists generally believe that the best angle the most optimal angle for a javelin to fly at is at 36 degrees 36 um 40 45 degrees means the javelin is coming up a little bit which is making it less aerodynamic which is okay. a lot of air drag in the air um so there's a but it's it's not so much your focus on it is a focus on keeping that tip down uh, and then a low angle. But it also no if if you're not generating any power and torque from your lower body, then the javelin in your upper body is just not going to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And then so it also sounds like with all the amount of torque and the amount of like energy, let's call it. Um, I think that's the correct term. Um, it sounds like injuries could very be very easy to come by. I mean, you plant wrong, you throw a little too weird and you tweak something like, have you had to deal with many injuries? I mean, considering you've been doing this essentially your whole life at this point. Yeah. Um, I argue with my friend a lot and I always ask him, he's a jumper. He's at the Olympic training center right now. Uh, and I, we always argue what, which event is more violent, triple jump or javelin? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and triple jump is very, very violent and aggressive on your knees, your legs, and your back. But with javelin, I don't know if you've ever seen like a javelin throw, but essentially, in a nutshell, what you're doing is, in the most basic terms, you're running down a runway as fast as you can, and you're stopping on a dime and hitting a straight leg block, and you're throwing uh, an, an unnatural movement of throw. The most natural form of human throws is underhand. Mm-hmm. And with javelin, you're throwing overhand. Um, over your head essentially and so uh javelin throws are very prone to injury i've i've had a lot of injuries 
uh, in high school was I had a lot of back injuries. My brother had an elbow injury uh, in high school where he got surgery on already. Um, but the most serious injury I've gotten uh, happened to me in college um, two years ago. And I can tell you right now, it's, it's changed my entire life. Um, so I figured, like, I figured we'd dive into this uh, sooner or later. Um, Do you want to wait? But, I have other topics. We can, I mean, we're here. We might as well just get into it now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so two years ago, I was throwing uh, at the pen relays. And on my last throw, uh, I had a th- the kid before me beat me on my last throw. So I had one more throw to go after. Um, essentially, what happened was I, I blocked so hard that I flew over the line. Or I was flying over the toe board, but I didn't want to foul. Um, and if you go over the toe board, you know, it doesn't count as a throw because it's a foul. So I put my hands down while I'm in the air um, in front of the toe board. And while my weight's moving forward, I push backwards. Um, and so the weight was this way, but my, I was trying to shift it back. Uh, and so everything in my shoulder tore. Yeah. Uh, I tore two tendons in my rotator cuff and two tendons in my labrum. Um, on that, I won. I won on that throw, which was hey. nice. Oh, <laughs> as long as you better go down a winner if you're gonna take that. Yeah, shit. right, right. Um, so, yeah, I, I won on that throw. I put an ice bag on. Uh, I told my coach later. Uh, reporters are coming up to me like, "Did you hurt your shoulder? Did you hurt your shoulder?" I was like, "No, no, it's just precautionary." Um, I found out later, uh, actually in in August, it was told. I was, I, but this is in May, and I was just like, "There's no way I'm not competing this year, the rest of the year. I've come too far." Um, so I was getting cortisone shots, and I was getting saline shots every week before I threw in my shoulder just to keep me going. Um, and I did well. I, I mean, I won the Big Ten championship again, became first team All American, uh, went to the USA Championships. I took eighth. Um, it went well, and then in, in August, uh, uh, they told me it's been torn since since May. Um, and it was a it was a type of tear in my rotator cuff that my surgeon told me uh, he's never he's never performed this type of he's going to perform an experimental surgery because he's javelin throwers necessarily don't don't really come back from these type of injuries. Um, so he performed an experimental reconstructive surgery on my shoulder, um, which is you know not very it's not it's hard to think like positive in that because yeah you don't you don't have any empirical evidence exactly like, this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still don't. And so that ha- I got the surgery in September. One week after my surgery, um, I I was done. I went in for a checkup, and I'm still in my sling, and I'm still like you know like depressed from the surgery. Uh, one week after my surgery, I went into the doctor's room for a checkup, and they noticed a heart condition. They diagnosed me with a heart condition that I have, mm-hmm. um, and immediately. Immediately uh, that day, Rutgers banned me from using their facilities because they didn't want me, they didn't want to be liable for anything. Mm-hmm. I was banned on Rutgers facilities for about a whole entire month, maybe maybe a little bit more. Um, so here I am in a sling with a surgery. I don't know if it's going to work. Um, a heart condition that cardiologists and people are telling me you can't you can't train again. This is it's too dangerous, and we can't have you do this. And uh, I went through, I went through like a, like a six month, like depression, um, of just, you know, being really down. Uh, I had, you know, bad depression, bad anxiety. I didn't think anything was going my way. Um, but for some reason, 
during that whole time, I still, I still believed in myself. I still was training. Um, even though I got kicked off Rutgers facilities, I went to a, the local like gym mm-hmm. off, off Rutgers and I was in there training my legs, um, lifting my legs in a sling, um, you know, working out still a week after my surgery, just on my lower body and stuff. And, um, I had to go through all these tests with some of the like top cardiologists in the world. And, um, I have a team of cardiologists now, uh, that confer with my doctor at Rutgers. And so that whole period, uh, that was two years ago leading up into this year. Mm-hmm. So it's been like a two year long thing. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's inevitably definitely been like, the, that's why I said that my junior year of college was like totally changed, changed everything mm-hmm. um, about me, about my, my mindset and, and my thought process and things, my perception of injuries, my perception on life really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's in a long sense, like there is a lot of injuries in javelin, um, some with your shoulder, a lot with your back, but mine happened to me shoulder and heart. Um, yeah. It's, it was, it's been tough and it, it still is. And, but you know, it's, it's, and I think this, this part me going through that whole process has been a crazy, crazy story, um, that I've, I've, I've written down, like everything I wrote stories about myself. I've written like a, like a whole entire, you know, biography on myself just during that time of depression and, and my mindset on during those times. And I think it's a pretty big thing I carry with me um, in anything I do and thing. And it's a story that I can really tell people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a story that I can, I can, you know, influence people and motivate people. And I think that's like something I'm also looking to do um, in my life is to help people who've been mm-hmm. in, in a situation of, you know, something like that. Um, so I think that's a big part of, you know, I don't want to just be an athlete. I want to mm. more, you know, be more than that. You know what I mean? Of course. No, of course. And not gonna lie. I did not expect, uh, that answer with a, with a simple, like, Hey, it sounds like you guys might get injured. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, that's, that's heavy. That's incredible. You know, obviously very, very disappointed. Uh, I can understand the, you know, depression, the anxiety, everything that you went through. I mean, that just sounds awful. I mean, considering you started something at five, like I really don't remember too many things before the age of five, to be honest with you. So that's essentially your whole life at that point. Um, and pretty much have it all taken away with the span of a week. It sounds like two weeks. Yep. Um, that is incredible. And, and, uh, at least you came out of it. Uh, you're, you're on the other side now, which is important in understanding that just because it happened doesn't mean it has to be bad. Something good can come from it. You know, the stories that you can tell now, the motivation, the inspiration that you can give others, uh, as long as you can always remember how you can give back and how important, you know, I'm not an everything happens for a reason kind of guy, but uh, I don't believe in coincidences and I don't believe in luck. Um, So you know, everything kind of does have a reason for it. Um, So I think that that's, that's pretty incredible that you've been able to really get through that um, and really get, you know, have an understanding of how you can utilize this negative as a, as a major positive to influence yourself, but also just influence many other people around the world. So commend you for that, brother. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. appreciate it. I appreciate it. Oh man. Appreciate you. You're the one going to the Olympic trials. Um, so I guess now <laughs> let's, now let's go back in time a little bit and talk about, um, you know, we'll get back to these two years cause I'm, I'm really curious. Um, and, and then moving forward, of course, but I mean, you're two time, big time champ, three time, all American with a, bum shoulder so i mean like shoot man like that makes me even more frustrated to understand that you're crushing everybody with a torn rotator Mm -hmm. cuff and labrum and and like now you're just like oh that is frustrating from my side i can only imagine some of the crap you have to go through but i mean tell us about 
the glory days, if I may. Um, you know, yeah. what, what was it, you know, going, starting at school, like an understanding, like the opportunity and, and really just coming out of the game. I mean, you're a three-time All-American. You're in your last year of eligibility, which means your first three years you were an All-American. So talk about that and like, I guess, what the, the positives from Rutgers and what you've been able to really take out of your, your time from there. I, I, since high, from high school to college, I, I matured immensely. Um, not, not just as a, an athlete, but just as a person too. Um, my perception changed a lot uh, on a lot of things and Rutgers has always been such a, uh, a good, uh, they, they've helped at Rutgers classes and Rutgers, my team, my team is, I love my team and I, uh, really opened my eyes to a lot of different things. Um, being a, being an NCAA All-American and, and a Big Ten champion, I, I first won a Big Ten champion. My first one I won was a so- when I was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um, then I won again as a junior. Um, and then I think the start of all of it was when I went to, when I was on Team USA. That was that was amazing. Uh, that was my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. And a- after that, I was like, I was like, I know I I, I have so much more in me. Um, even after I PR'd, I was like, my my. My whole life, I've lived by the words "never settle," mm-hmm. um, and so my freshman year, after I had a successful, really successful year, I was like, "I know I can do more." My sophomore year, I know I can do more. My junior, year, I know I can do more. And so, like, I feel like it's that like relentless pursuit and mindset that like really helps me through each year. Um, my coach has been amazing here. My my team is awesome. They're all my hype men. All those guys, they get me real hype for me. It's in everything. Um, but I've always been I've always been someone who will always, always, always put in more work, any work that needs to be done. I'm always the first one in, last one out. I go back at night to do more like physical mm-hmm. therapy stuff. Um, I've always, I've always been in, you know, that, uh, that good mindset of working hard. Um, but Rutgers really helped me mature a lot as a, as an athlete. I've had the opportunity to travel all across the United States, you know, around the world. And, um, it's been an amazing, amazing, you know, opportunity. To, to have that at, at Rutgers and I've had some pretty great teammates who really like motivated me along the way. Um, but being, just being at Rutgers, I'm only an hour away from home too. So it's mm-hmm. nice. Like I, I, I've always been a fan. I've always been a Jersey kid and you know, like I've always said, like, let's fence the garden, you know, let's keep the let's keep the talent in Jersey, mm-hmm. man. Cause that's, yeah. that's it. Oh. It's, it's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course my brother is not one of that. I was going to say he's in Texas. <laughs> I was like, yo, what a fraud. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, 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 I love it here. And I love that I can go home for a home cooked meal when I, when I want and when mm-hmm. I need to. And it's such a great, it's a great balance of school, of family and, and, and of, of athletics. Yeah, man. I mean, I've always thought that too, not to get off on a little tangent, but man, if we just kept the football players, half the football players here, we'd be a powerhouse. It'd be insane. Oh, it'd be, it'd be unreal. It would be, be insane, unreal. but it is what it is. We got you, man. We'll take it. We'll, we'll run with it at this point. We'll throw with it, whatever we got to do. Um, so tell us, thank you Poor poor joke, but Hey, I gotta, I gotta try something every once in a while. Um, tell us about, so your after your freshman year is when you joined or your freshman year is when you joined team USA. Tell us about that experience and what it was like, I guess, like what's that call like like what's what's that emotion like especially again going from a place of your dad did this and this seems like it was probably a huge goal obviously not the end game but a bit a huge goal on on the way to where you're trying to go I mean what was that call like what did what were those emotions that you felt and and shared that experience with your family and, and that just whole circus that was going on there yeah um the, the one word that popped in my head when you were talking was uh was pride 
um, I was extremely, you know, I went to, I went to the USA's juniors. Um, and I, the first two, if you go to the meet and then whoever makes one, two at the meet, you go to the, the, the Pan American games. Mm-hmm. And I took second and I was like, but I wasn't sure like if I actually made a team or not. And I ah. kept asking my coach, my coach, did I make the team? Like, do they take just one? I heard they only take one. And he was like, Chris, you made it. I was like, coach, I don't know. Like, I don't think I, don't think I did. <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I was so nervous. And I was like, God, oh, I just want that gear, man. And then uh, a clerk, one of the USATF workers, canceled me like, Hey, you have to come, come with us through processing, drug testing. Um, and fitting for all the clothes and I was like oh shit <laughs> I was so excited man and, um, because to me and my dad has always said like being able to get Team USA gear is the most unbelievable thing in the world mm-hmm. um, and I was so proud uh, to, to, to be putting on those clothes uh, even trying them on I was mm-hmm. so unbelievably happy uh, and so like a week later they said they said uh all this and the suitcase is going to be all this gear and everything is going to be sent to you through the mail. You'll get it. And I like, I was like, I can't miss this when the UPS driver comes and drops off because I live in New Brunswick and it's not the best area. <laughs> so yeah. I like asked UPS, like, do you know when this package is coming in? And they like said, like, we have no idea. Um, so I sat on my, on that day, I took off work. I sat from like 7 a.m. And I got the package not until 5 p.m. Oh, I sat I sat out my porch and I was like, I got it, I got it, man. I opened it up and it was on. Uh, I've never been so so happy um, opening up all that gear. And then yeah, it was out. Is out the games were out in Edmonton, Canada, so the west mm-hmm. side of Canada. Um, my dad, my my just my dad ended up going, um, and it was incredible seeing him. I remember him and I sat down two hours before I was about to compete, and I was like, Dad, I, I'm gonna win this thing. Like, I, I have a feeling. And he was just like, you know, he was stoked. And he was like, then do it. You know, warmed up. Uh, I won on my last row, which which usually is pretty common occurrence, honestly. I, I usually uh-huh. PR and win on my last row. Um, won on my last row. And the most proudest part of my entire life was when um, I had the American flag. You take your victory mm-hmm. lap. You have yeah, the flag. Yeah, yeah. The, the best part was when. You go to the podium, you get awarded your gold medal, and national anthem starts playing, mm-hmm. and of, of the winner, and it, that was, that was, I've had like crazy, I've had some crazy butterflies, and and there's my time, but standing on that podium, I like couldn't feel my whole body. It was just like, it was surreal that I was going through that with with the American flag around me, a gold medal on my neck, and just listening to the national anthem. So I said, I take a lot of pride in that. Dude, that is incredible. Um, I, I hope most people would take pride in that. I mean, there's only so many people that get that opportunity. Um, I say get that opportunity, deserve, earn that opportunity, and you're clearly one of them, and we appreciate you representing us on what is essentially the highest level of sport. And we, again, sincerely, sincerely, that is incredible, man, especially up up north too. So not too far, which is kind of nice, right, in Canada, uh, neighbors yeah. to the north, which is pretty cool. So, man, that is that's an awesome story. That is absolutely fantastic. I mean, just it, all most of the athletes that I speak with that have the opportunity to get on a podium, especially at that high of a level, um, wearing the colors, they say walking around with the flag and then hearing the national anthem as, as the flag, you know, you raise the flag, you get your medal. It's just, it's surreal. Some people black out, some people, you know, can, can 
it's like they have a video recorder in their memory and they can play back. You know, I remember yeah. the third person uh, to the left of my mom was wearing, <laughs> you know, green that day, you know, so it, it gets pretty, <laughs> it's pretty intense, which is awesome. Um, so this was 26. So this was 2016. And then, so because you won the junior Pan Ams, is that what gave you the opportunity to go to the, the Olympic trials? No. So okay. every year, every year like resets. So, so um, actually, if you don't mind, could you actually explain the process to get to the Olympic trials? Um, yeah. and then we'll, we'll, I guess just continue. Yeah. Just explain. Yeah. So there they're, uh, they take the top 24 throwers in the United States. And so there's an automatic standard. I think it's mm -hmm. 70, I think it's 72 meters or something like that. If you hit 72 meters, you automatically are qualified for the, okay. the Olympic trials. And so I, I don't know. I think I was ranked like 18th or something or 19th. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, but they take the top 24 and yeah, it resets every year. If it's an Olympic year, if it's a world year, if it's a Pan American year, it resets every year. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep, you have to requalify each year. Okay. And so then you said they take the top 24. So if the 25th guy, if he gets the standard, but isn't in the top 25, he's just, he's just kicked out guy or girl. Yes. Okay. So yeah, that's essentially how it works. The past couple of years, um, not all the throwers hit the standard. So they'll mm -hmm. just take the top 20 of the highest throws. Uh, okay. In the US. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. That's good to know. That's really good to know. So then when you're there, um, first, what was that like? I mean, knowing that you were, as pretty much as close as you can get to the Olympics uh, mm -hmm. at that point in time, being that young. I mean, I mean, what was that like? I mean, obviously with hindsight and everything and understanding your injury and all the crap that went on afterwards. I mean, what was it like at the time and understanding like, Hey man, like I'm right there. It's, it's yours to take essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was 19 years old and what my mindset going into it was just, just experience. Like I'm mm -hmm. getting this experience that no other 19 year old is able to get. Um, you're, you're competing in the Olympic trials surrounded by elite athletes. I mean, absolute specimens all, all around me, not even just javelin throwers, sprinters, jumpers, mm -hmm. runners. I mean, there, it was, it was incredible to be around that atmosphere of how, like how serious of security guards everywhere you go, like you have to get clearance for every, every place you went. And it was just awesome to be part of that. Um, so my mindset going into competition, warming up next to these guys was like, I'm the youngest guy here. I'm, you know what? Like, I'm going to do what I can do. But the experience I'm getting out of this is going to be the most valuable, mm -hmm. you know. And and whatever happens, happens. But uh, I, I I never took for granted being there, and I appreciate every second of it. Um, I didn't perform too well, um, but like I said, the experience I gained from that is definitely going to be a huge benefit for me going forward to to bigger means. Absolutely, man. Where how did how did you finish? If you don't mind me asking. I think so. I went in at like 18 or 19 and, and I like finished around the same. Mm -hmm. Um, I finished like, I think 17 or 18, something like that. Hey man, um, top, yeah. top, top 18 in the country or something is really not that bad. Uh, it could, <laughs> it could yeah, let, let's, let's look at that shit half class full. I think that that's, that's pretty darn good. I'll take top 1800 in anything. If you're being honest. <laughs> um, so congratulations on that, man. I love it. Um, both those stories are, are, are fantastic. And so, uh, just how many, how many, I, I, unless, uh, unless I completely miss it, how many throwers get to go to the Olympics? So they take, you have to, so for the Olympics, you have to hit the, the world standard. Okay. Um, and so that's different from the Olympic standard. It's much higher than the Olympic standard. Mm. Um, so they'll take three throwers who hit the Olympic, the, the Olympic standard. Um, if they, so say like, I think it starts June 1st. Mm -hmm. um 
for this year where you can hit the Olympic standard for the 2020 Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll take the three throwers who hit that Olympic standard. And so, uh, but yeah, if you don't hit that standard, you can't come. You're not, you know, like they won't take the top. The yeah. only other, the only other way of making it is if Javelin is very low that year and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll take like, I think they'll take the top yeah. 36 throwers or something like that who didn't okay. hit the stamp but are close. But okay. no, generally they take three throwers who hit all hit the standard. So you can go to Olympic trials. You have to hit the Olympic standard. And then the top three people out of trials are the ones that make it, correct? Do I have yes, that right? Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Um, so, but there's been people who've won the Olympic trials but never hit the standard so they don't go to the Olympics. Whoa, that but there's sucks. Also, but there's also people that took 16th place that hit the standard earlier in the season that still went to the Olympics. Hmm. And they're, they're just the, the one of the three people that hit it that year. Hit the standard that year, yeah. So all you have to do is hit, like, ooh, man. One. You that just got to do one. it once. You just got to <laughs> do it once. Oh, shoot. All right, Chris. We're going to be rooting for you, man. That's incredible. Um, all right, so that's that's cool. We're going to quit in Tarantino this stuff a little bit. Now we're going to go back to the last couple years. Um, what have you been doing the last couple of years? Because that was going to be one of my questions. I mean, everything that you sent me, all the information that I found pretty much ends in 2016. And I was just like, well, obviously I have to assume injury or something went on. And now that we know almost the whole story, I mean, we understand, obviously there's some depression, some anxiety, some, some stuff went on, but you're, it seems like you're, you're back. Do I got that right? I mean, so I mean like, yeah, I've, I've been MIA, man, the past, the past year and a half, two years, I've been totally MIA. Mm-hmm. Um, Understandably so, of course, I, like, yeah, I don't know what I, I do. Mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I didn't have any social media. I didn't post anything about my injuries and post anything about what I was going through mentally, physically, anything. Um, but I, I've been working and training every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, every day I was, I was working to come back from this shoulder surgery, working to come back from, you know, uh, mentally with my, my, uh, mental performance coach, mm-hmm. um, physically, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, everything, uh, every day for the past year and a half has, has gone towards this upcoming season. So, you know, last year I redshirted, um, obviously mm-hmm. because of my injury. Yeah. It was like a, it was like over a year long recovery. I still think I'm still like coming back from it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we don't know, man. It was an experimental surgery. So, yeah. like, it's always yeah. I looked at my surgeon uh, a couple months ago. I was like, so what now? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I said, he goes, I'm learning with you right now. It's ter- terrified me. Uh, that yeah, that's – uh, man. Because he's, he's doing this case study on me. He, he like, I signed papers, and, and I was a case study. I'm just, I'm just like a lab rat. Yeah, I was going to uh, say you're a guinea pig. That's what I'm saying, man. Um, but no, the the past two years, I just been been working my ass off, uh, training and uh, getting back for this season and, and the upcoming seasons ahead of me. It's the only way you can do it, man. I mean, prepare, yeah. uh, you know, prepare with expectations, prepare for for some some bad stuff, but expect the best and and just keep keep rocking and rolling, man. That's really all you can do at this yeah. point. So uh, that's incredible, man. Good for you. So I guess what's 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 on the docket you're you're back so are you officially back yeah. reinstated yep. and and you're going to be able to throw this year now yeah so i compete uh my first meet was down in florida um oh you've already got okay yeah i've had i've had uh three meets so far my first one was down in florida uh usf a couple of weeks ago it was mid-march or so um i opened up it was my first competition in two years i opened up with uh like 72 something meters um, which is like the second best I've ever opened up. 
um, like ever, uh, mm-hmm. which, which is pretty amazing. So my, just my to, dude. just to clarify, opened up meaning like your first competition of the year. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. First competition, 70, 72.30 meters, something like that. Um, and that was incredible, uh, because it was two years of, of endless training and, mm-hmm. um, and all the stuff I went through after I threw that, I just like, like broke down in tears. Cause I was just like, it's been the longest two years of my We're life. Back, baby. Very, very emotional. Um, and then I actually ended up competing five days later, which is a really quick turnaround for mm-hmm. gallant or especially after they have surgery. I didn't throw too, we went back down to Florida the next week. Didn't throw too well. Um, and then we just had a whole meet, um, on Friday, our one and only homie at Rutgers and I threw 72 meters again. Um, and obviously like, you know, I'm not, I'm not satisfied, I'm not fulfilled with, the, mm-hmm. with that 72 meters. Um, so yeah, I compete again at Penn Relays. <laughs> hey, place where I last yeah, I was going to say, we, we've heard that part of that story already. Um, what's that like though? I mean, obviously you're not satisfied. You're not fulfilled with, fulfilled with the 72, but man, there has to be some sort of validation or just elation inside of you saying like okay we're good i mean at this point do you pretty much just take it one throw at a time and that's really i mean what else can you do you can you can't really look too far down um like yeah is it just a let's just not cross our fingers and hope but like one more that's all you're looking to do yeah so so this is where i was telling you this is where i've grown a lot since Mm -hmm. i was since i was my freshman sophomore and junior year of college uh my freshman sophomore junior year, if I didn't have a good throwing, if I didn't have a good, so we get three throws in preliminary round and then we mm-hmm. get you top nine and you go to the finals. Okay. Um, and so my earlier years of college, my mindset was if I had a bad throw, I'm like, shit, that's it. Like today's not my day, uh-huh. you know? And after going through my surgery and after going through everything in my heart, and I'm still going through, um, I realized like that's such bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, like if one bad throw doesn't mean the whole meat's bad, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like it's just not, it's not the way it is. It's like, you didn't just train for two years. You know, it's not like the two years of your training just went down the drain yeah. uh, off after one bad throw, you exactly. know, everything's, everything's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and that's what I'm like, I'm just taking it beat by me, you know, each, each now during the, during the season, I, I step back the training a lot. And now I just work a lot on making much sure my body is healthy. My mm-hmm. arms feeling good. Uh, everything's feeling right and you know just set myself up in the best position possible for each week love it man and uh that's that's great congratulations on coming back i mean that is a redemption story um if we've ever heard one so we're we're crossing our fingers for you man i mean I, i'm glad i got the first interview but if when you make the olympics nbc is going to be <laughs> all over that and uh i just want everyone to remember it was it was here first if i'm not mistaken right? yeah. so that's, but let's just let's uh maybe a little shout out when you're on tv and they're and they're doing their uh their, their sob story for you um, <laughs> yeah. nah, busting of us and uh no man that's incredible congratulations it's such good stuff i love it this is why i do this uh, um, you know, and this is why it's my favorite part of every day is to hear these incredible stories and the, and the perseverance, the will, the dedication, the focus, the effort that comes with it. Um, yeah. Makes me feel pretty uh, like I could do a little bit more with my life, but at the same time, you know, I'm doing some I mean, stuff. You're, so we'll, you're doing we'll a big thing right now. You're doing a big thing right now that I, you know we'll see. Just speaks high measures of, uh, for athletes to know that you're doing this. Just amazing. cross your fingers for me, man. That's all that. And I'm just going to ask you to share this one. It's life, but uh, Anyway, um, so the next, uh, just a couple of things. So obviously we understand for 2020, it's an absolute possibility. Do we know what the Olympic standard is that you have to throw between June yeah. and? Yeah, they, it was always, it was always the past, as long as I can remember Olympics, it was 83 meters and now they upped it to 85 meters, oh. um, which is interesting, uh, which probably means there's going to be, I think they take it, like I said, I think they take the top 48, maybe javelin throwers. Um, mm-hmm. 
who hit the standard. But I think in 2020, there's no, I don't think 48 throwers are going to hit that hit 85 meters. So they'll take mm-hmm. the throwers, the top 48 top throwers. Um, and I, I really think, you know, like after this year, uh, I'll have a better idea of, of how close I am. Um, but I really think like, you know, just like I said, meet by me. And I think I'm, I'm you know, eventually I'm going to get up there um, this year, next year, the year after until I'm, until I'm done throwing. I know I can be up there. Hell yeah, man. And when, so at, is, is the last opportunity to get that? Like when is the last opportunity that you can make the game? Is it Olympic trials? Yep. Olympic trials. That's right, it. Man. Yeah. But there's so, there's so much too. like, there's the world games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, the world games in another three years. And there's so many, just not just the Olympics, there's so many different opportunities of course. to represent team USA. It's Absolutely. Amazing. But obviously the Olympics is the upper echelon highest. You know, yeah. I, I can't lie. This is not a world games podcast. This is an Olympic podcast. So yeah. got to be honest with <laughs> you, man. But no, we, we appreciate, as I said before, you're representing us in any way, shape or form clearly uh, with what you've been through and what you're, you're going through to do that. Uh, we sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. So thank you so much, Chris. This has been absolutely fantastic. Last question. I mean, what's after you know I, I can't assume a professional javelin thrower makes a hundred million dollars a year or, or in a lifetime so like what is is there is there something you're looking forward to do afterwards um i'm, I'm glad you asked whether that's something even asked. on the horizon or, i mean hopefully you stick in javelin for the next however many years and it never ends but obviously athletes bodies break down i can sit in front of a microphone for the rest of my life as long as i don't lose my voice you unfortunately <laughs> probably can't throw a javelin so i guess what's the What's the after? What's the post-career career? So, Javelin prime throwing age is 28 years old. Uh, okay. Which is, you, which is interesting. You got Definitely a minute, then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, depending on how I do this year, I can be placed into uh, what's called a TPP program, uh, USA Track and Field. They have a sponsorship program. What they do, I think they pay you a certain amount. Real, I think it's like whatever tier you get placed in, you get paid a small yeah. amount each quarter to, to help you out with rent. Um, and training and things like that or you get placed in the olympic training center uh i've been in contact with one that got a chairman of the usa javelin we had back we were going back and forth about tpp olympic training center but it all depends on how i throw this year I of course this year obviously um which has been stressful because it's coming coming off a of surgery but it's no excuse because you know it is what it is and mm-hmm. you know i just got to let, let the numbers show for it um but uh as far as money goes right now um as far as money goes, I'm, you know, broke is a joke, which I, I don't, you know, right now in college, the NCAA helps me, you know, with rent and everything. Um, but I'm telling you, the past two years, what I went through mentally and physically, uh, I really realized it was along that way where I really wanted to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as the next couple of years go, um, I'm really just trying to brand myself into that person. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just made an Instagram uh, a couple months ago. Congratulations. And, um, Welcome yeah. to the new world. <laughs> I know I'm, it's, it's nice to be here. Uh, but I'm trying to bring myself on, on Instagram and be obviously because companies and, and sponsorship companies mm-hmm. want to see you have a following. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, obviously get, give, giving you leverage, uh, for them to be able to sponsor you. And so I'm trying to create my own brand as that type of person. Um, that athlete and being more than an athlete, being an influencer, being a motivator mm-hmm. uh, and helping other people, uh, you know, achieve what they can, even after going through such a long and tumultuous journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, the next couple of years, I definitely just want to train full time, train professionally. Um, but at the same time, have an outreach to people, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's on my social, whether it's on my Instagram, social media, 
or it's going to small classrooms, middle schools, high schools, start small and just talk, you know, help, hey help these kids, you know. Everybody loves a good story and you yeah. got one. I promise you that. So yeah, get out there, get in front of people. Um, you know, if you haven't, if anyone listening hasn't check out David Meltzer on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on anywhere that you can find him. He's a personal friend of mine. He's a business coach. He's a entrepreneur. He's also an incredible motivational speaker. Um, and definitely, definitely check him out. You can learn a lot from him. So congratulations on that man. And yeah, I think that's awesome. And there's absolutely an opportunity for it. Uh, given your athlete background, it'll, that'll open up a couple extra doors, uh, being, uh, saying you've been on team USA, that'll open a lot more doors and winning a gold medal. I don't think would be too bad. So I think that would make life a lot easier too. So awesome, man. Well, Chris, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, man. What an incredible story. Thank you for representing us. Uh, one more time, Chris Mirabelli, USA <laughs> track and field javelin, um, is in his blood, essentially Olympic hopeful for the 2020 games, man. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Chris Mirabelli. Chris was such a fun guy. Um, getting to talk to him about his entire story, everything he's been through, how incredible his his life has been with his dad and his brother, and you know now him and and you know just just the the lineage of javelin throwers he has in his family and the opportunity he has to go to the 2020 games potentially with now coming back and and the World Cup season and the the, the season's right around. So he came back at. Would have, you know, best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. So maybe if he came back a little earlier, it would have been nice. But he's here now, and that's all that matters. And we're uh, we're going to be rooting for him every single second of the way. So incredible dude with an incredible story. Very, very happy about that. All of his um, information will be in the show notes. All of ours is as well. Um, as of release, I don't think our website is up to date yet, but it will be very soon. And we're super excited about that. So hopefully you will check that out when it is up. It is going to be, it is professionally made. Last one I did, you can tell. This one professionally made, looks gorgeous, has everything that you need it to have. It really goes into everything that we're going to be trying to do for these athletes and get um, get as much in their pockets as we possibly can. So hope you guys go check that out. Uh, very excited about that. Please rate this five stars if possible. If you don't think it's five stars, all right, maybe four or three, whatever. Uh, feedback is always appreciated. Michael at ourathletes.us. Um, Instagram, ourathletes.us. Twitter, ourathletesusa. Um, anything else? I don't think so. Follow, as I said, all of Chris's information is going to be in the show notes, so follow him there. Give us five stars, and that's really all we can ask for. Listen to the next episode or any of the other ones you miss because they're all incredible. These are incredible people. So thank you all so much. Sincerely appreciate your time. Hope you have, and make it an absolutely wonderful day.